Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back to episode 160 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on March 8th over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at a general exploration of the reef. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 Next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How's the week treated you so far? I'm a little sore, but I got a massage today, so that's always good. Uh, for those of you who are not keeping up with me on social media, <laughs> it is okay. This would be a lot more um, weird if I just left it. That's, yeah, it would be very weird if I just left it there. But I'm uh, an adult! Julie and I are moving into the house this weekend. There's the explanation that was missing from the initial statement. Chat. Chat. I'm Context. not looking at chat. Context. <laughs> um, good God. It's, it's been, as you can tell, it's been a week. I've had to do a lot of painting. I ripped up carpet in three hours for the place and we painted it the next day. And then it's just been one thing after the other. I've been painting all week long and just doing a lot of house renovation type stuff. And we actually moved tomorrow. So yeah, it's been a busy week, but it's been good. And I even got to play a little bit of the new Gambit type, which I know that Blue is so not said sarcastically at all. What? I uh, don't I don't love it. Anyways, um, <laughs> rounding out the usual team we have our good buddy the lore content cop himself beard grizzly beard how are you doing uh my throat hurts still from more things with context um <laughs> my uh, from after our freaking chat last week <laughs> and whatnot my my throat is still just not back I'm really surprised, like, how much that episode destroyed me. Oh, just keep going. You it's know what? I'm, I'm really just happy that going. Blue is feeling this way, because if I can, if there's anybody that can make Blue happy, I'd really like for it to be me. You guys can take that however you want. Wow. Um, I imagine there's going to be some, like, fan fiction happening with just some random slash fiction. Let's 
not make that a thing, please. I don't uh, need Cole, Cole, already, Cole already got a hold of his warlock and the ghost, so, you know. That's true. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That was the best freaking comic ever. I'm I, At the moment that she said, I, I really want to put this on Twitter, but I feel like I would, like, uh, uh, offend you in some way if I did. I was like, Cole, who the heck are you talking to here? Did you forget for a second? Like, go! I, I, I don't have a freaking image to keep up here. Go for it. <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm not that much of a prude. Oh my goodness! Context for this, by the way. Go check out Bad Destiny Joke on Twitter. It's its own, uh, it's its own Twitter now. And so, yeah, I'll let you so, tell the story. So what you're, what you're telling me is this show's uh, subtext is context. Mm-hmm. Okay, just making sure we had that. Uh, yeah, there was a uh, there was a, a little bit of a joke that was uh, going on between Cole and I because she, uh, for one episode, she had voiced my uh, ghost in Guardian School, and she has held that over my head. I don't know for how long now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every now and again, it like it has these funny moments where it it becomes relevant again, and and suddenly the context matters. Uh. But the whole general idea behind this comic was kind of hilarious because it was basically if if you side with the Vanguard, I will do something to you uh, for the sake of, of kids and already probably crossing a few dozen lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will let you guys go and check it. But I think it was hysterical. Uh, and it was just like the the reaction between me and her, I think, was... Uh, it's just one of those genuine moments between Cole and I where it's just uh, a lot of fun. And Sheesh. and we were very happy to share that moment with you guys besides because I think it was hilarious. I mean, and it seemed like it really got a uh, everybody got a kick out of it. So that was it good. Kind of got to be a little bit of an overshare if you've seen the drawn up comic that she's put out. Um. Yeah, no, trust me. I uh, I did. I saw where uh, I, I, I saw it. How many reactions it generally got, and I was just like, "Well, I knew people were gonna have fun with it because I know it's Cole and she makes some good funny jokes, but mm-hmm. this is ridiculous." Mm-hmm. It's just, it's good times. Cole stuff is great. <laughs> I put the link in chat. <laughs> good, thank you. I may have already messaged her and been like, "We're talking about you on the show right now," and she's like, "What? Why?" Because. because we love you <laughs> because we That's can uh-huh. oh man well i know there wasn't a question to the community this week um so we'll go through our standard intro notes real quick and then jump right into the conversation In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed the Book of Unmaking. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to rate, and if you can, leave us a written review on iTunes or comment on the episodes on Podbean or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help continue to expand the FFC family, which allows more and more perspectives to be heard. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a gathering place where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within game lore, with a special focus on the Destiny universe. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of a new chat. 
Every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. This will also be the new home for the Focus Fire Chat episode note archives and articles going forward. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the letters from a renegade lore book. However, as always, please be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you want to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at Focus Fire Chat, or within our Discord server. With all that being said, here's Green with a high-level summary for tonight's topic. The Reef. It is the home to the Awoken people. At least those who no longer call the distributary home. The ones who escaped with Mara. Or at least, left with Mara. There are various locations throughout the Reef, which is essentially a territory contained within the Asteroid Belt. Many locations appear to be self-contained on asteroids, whereas in stark contrast, the Tangled Shore was constructed of many smaller asteroids bound together by cables. And although we have only been to four locations in-game, Prison of Elders, Vestian Outpost, technically the Dreaming City, and the Tangled Shore, there have been many different population centers focused on various industry or military positioning throughout the reef mentioned in lore. Most of what we have learned is related to the campaigns and defense of the Awoken people, which in many cases translates to the defense of Earth and the last city. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about the reef, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. So this week for Lost Lore, I didn't have anything. Um, Green, did you want to talk about anything in particular? Or do you want to just jump right into the reef? I, th- I think as far as like Lost Lore or things that are forgotten about, I think the thing that we can talk about is the actual outpost, the Vestian outpost, because it's been so long since we've actually been there. Mm-hmm. Um, the outpost was set up and the funny thing is, is like, we always kind of assumed there was a throne room there because there was, but it wasn't Mars permanent throne realm, Mm -hmm. throne room. And that is not something I don't remember if they ever really clarified that until much Uh, later. They, so like they kind of did because one of the first explanations of the Vestian outpost was that it was a filter point for the reef on the sun side of the asteroid belt that Mm -hmm. everything, everything went through. So it was always kind of explained as like an antechamber to Vesta, which was where the heart Mm -hmm. of the reef was. So, I mean, like, I guess, I guess the short answer is no, they never specifically said that, but I mean, if you follow that train of thought, it kind of would make sense that that's not the actual throne room. Right. But, um, a little bit of what happened to the Vestian reef after, Oh, Mara yes, and right. everything that happened that would definitely not necessarily be common knowledge unless you read the lore right now because they don't ever make mention per se is there I mean you see him show up but you don't see how much damage he show, does to that 
outpost, do you? And I'm speaking uh, of Aldrin. Aldrin. No, but you do, there is a mint. So like you have the clip where he's mm-hmm. burning it down. Right. Uh, but there is the piece in the Forsaken Prince, I believe, where mm-hmm. he shows up and he tricks the uh, royal guard because he he uses the, oh God, what was the term? Uh, the The blink Oh gosh, man! It's when you're expecting something and something else happens, and it it like distracts you from the reality of what's happening. He basically tricks the royal guard into letting him into the throne room with the kings or the house of dusk, basically, and the, that's where yeah, they yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of like what live chat's doing to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> safe word, safe word. Um, ah. But yeah, so like, and then there's all there was because that was the gunfight in which. Like they couldn't, like they couldn't aim at him because of the the just longstanding tradition of not not harming the royalty. But he had mm-hmm. no problem. He had no problem picking him off and shooting. Like he he pretty much just. It seemed like that outpost pretty much gets to gets gutted and destroyed. It does in the lore cards at least for sure. Because like it, they as as far as like the hangar and stuff, I don't know. But the throne room and any of the paladins contained therein right yes they do were destroyed Mm -hmm. now to be to be clear though we don't know is the throne room a part of the outpost i would imagine is it actually attached do you think it for those for those of us who were on destiny one there was the like antechamber type area in the back of the because it was a social space it Um, was next to the crypt arc right yeah it was well between the varics and was it the crypt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between Variks and Ives, um, that like round place where the the frames were and the guards. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was the entryway into the throne room? That's what it always seemed like because there were okay. two guards set up there. But I mean, That's as true. far as having confirmation of that, we don't necessarily know. We but after you get to the reef the first time in D one you are released back into orbit. So it may not be, you're not necessarily released into the outpost right away. Right. Yeah. That, that we was don't my get to the outpost too. until later. Um, but yeah, so, so the Vestian outpost was always meant as kind of a filter point for basically, it seems like basically the city, uh, cause it was, it was specifically called out as being the sunward sun. Let me make sure I said it. Sun side of the asteroid belt. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the filter point for the reef and the Vestian web, which was the heart of the reef that was built around the asteroid for Vesta. Um, so real asteroid by the by. Yes. Mm-hmm. Real, real asteroid. Out yeah. there. Every, well, and I believe in beard, correct me here if I'm, I'm incorrect, but I believe every asteroid that's specifically called out is an actual asteroid. Uh, yes, actually the, the, the large majority of, uh, what we've actually seen, unless it's like a, uh, 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 non specifically stated as like a created rock, or, right? Or right, fair. Floating like the, spot in the space, tangled, obviously. The tangled shore is obviously yeah. not correct, like not legit. But like, uh, um, Cybel and uh, Forvest, Vega, Vega. I guess Ceres, Ceres is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll end up having Nessus that will get thrown into it. Right. Uh, we otherwise have like uh. Maki Maki uh, show up in a couple of things, uh, along with uh, a couple others that sort of exist. Hygieia, uh, but there I think. are, mm-hmm. yep, Hygieia's in there as well. Uh, 
there are several that you can start to kind of piece through. Uh, Palas is another one that you'll hear mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I believe that's two Palas. Yeah, I think uh, that a lot of them have not, it's a numeric and then a name. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's how the asteroid designation works, of course. Uh, but yeah, that's that's how NASA has uh, and and uh, JPL have classified them uh, years, and even then have uh, adopted a lot of them uh, just to ensure that they can kind of figure out where uh, most of our our spacefaring objects and whatnot have kind of uh, popped up or cropped up over the years, because we've been discovering a lot of them since. Uh, realistically like the 1500s and we just never realized it mm-hmm. right uh, anyway uh long story short yes uh they are they are real uh rocks in space if you go ahead and look them over uh you'll find that there's a, a good majority of them that uh in in destiny are accurately there this is, is uh to to stress the idea to sorry green uh no, you're okay. to, to stress the idea of science fantasy mm-hmm. with destiny as well uh, because largely it's still based off of a lot of uh, general topics that you can think of, but it can also play with a lot of those theor- uh, thinkings and ideas. Uh, for example, real fast too, uh, they, the, the Awoken have a gravity hammer that they use to like throw around asteroids. Well, now <laughs> my question in my mind is, wait, how many asteroids did we actually lose in our designation system now because of the Awoken? They're, they're literally asteroid murderers. Anyway, are you, you they, mad built, at me for it? they built they built the high. Yeah, <laughs> that was like that yeah, was they, one of my favorite pieces of like random lore. Was like hi or hey, yeah. we see you or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was like I'm like oh my uh, god, that was out of ships though, wasn't it? Yeah, that it was, was built. Like it was ship they, movements. They, they they chained together golden age ships to say hello. Yup. I'm like, oh Let it my be God. known that the Awoken yes. have a sense of humor. <laughs> it is a really crazy sense of humor. Uh-huh. But it exists. I mean, space elves. Space elves. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta. Um, Z does. Uh, Z does say that every mentioned asteroid actually does exist, but there are a few issues with dimensions that are uh, trajectories. But that's really the uh, thing. Question: Is amethyst considered an asteroid? Uh, never actually looked. No, it's considered a stone. Thank you. Smart. <laughs> Blue, I will punch you. Jesus. Yes. Reason I'm asking, since Blue is being a butthead right now, is there is a location that gets destroyed in yeah. Awoken Lore that is called Amethyst. And I well, don't know if that of, is a one of the places that gets destroyed. Right. I During... I don't think so because I've never it's... actually taken that as an asteroid. I've always mm-hmm. taken that as a, uh, a a station because there are other stations that kind of exist, like one that we've talked about kind of in the past uh, called Bamberga. Uh, right. Bamberga is centered around uh, Palas, uh, but we never get a designation if Bamberga was uh, is an asteroid. It is not. Uh, Amethyst is also not listed as an asteroid. Uh, it would be odd if they kind of named an asteroid Amethyst anyway, because it generally doesn't fit the uh, pattern of naming conventions. Mm-hmm. Usually it's like Greek names, or um, you'll, you'll end up having uh, 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 Norse mythology. I don't know why, I just like blanked so hard here. Uh, you'll, you'll have like even Swedish mythology. Uh, you'll end up having like Native American. Like they pull from so many different uh, lines and and 
uh, past histories, but Amethyst just being a rock and already having it as like a geological uh, naming convention that we have, it would have had to have been named Amethyst like back in the 14-1500s if that were the case for it to carry over. Right. Uh, just to kind of stress, I think, how that would have gone. Well, uh, and that being sorry. Oh, go for it. No, go, go, go. Uh, that being said, I think we're up to around like, uh, uh, I, I think our general convention is like 40,000 some uh, space uh, celestial objects that we have that are tracked at the moment that are named well. Uh, so that should give you the amount of tools that the Awoken as well uh, kind of has to sort of work with and play with each other. Uh, and even then, if we were to kind of look at what uh, Z was talking about with the ideas of uh, uh, of trajectory and whatnot being in play, again, remember that science fantasy idea as well as also uh, taking uh, a gravity hammer that would move things around and, and whatnot. It, it plays with the weird concepts of, of how how those those figures and celestial bodies. You mean uh, like the gravity hammer that captured Skolas? So yeah, yeah, or the or the one that like slammed down on top of Remnant of the Wolf Wolf Fleet. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I I don't know what led me down this tangent other than like if we're talking about the reef as a whole, uh their their general vicinity is out more on the borders of our system, uh pretty heavily in fact, because that's about where like Palas and Vesta are. Uh and it's farther out than what we generally would consider, uh, especially so, with like where we've gone as a whole as well. Further out. Okay, so let me ask you this as far as a science clarification. Yeah. Um, is it further out? Because our asteroid belt lies between Mars and Jupiter, correct? Our asteroid belt with something like Ceres and whatnot, yes. Uh, so keep that in mind, at least in that regard. So like it's the... At between yeah between Mars and Jupiter is where we have our main asteroid belt where a good majority of the uh the the ones that we are looking at however like for Vesta mm -hmm. they generally reign in the Kuiper belt and that is where I think a lot of earlier uh uh, general like theorists on uh, the Awoken and whatnot kind of flubbed because again the Kuiper belt is actually where uh, on like the far edge in with Pluto and whatnot. Like, that's where Pluto resides. Uh, so that's just to kind of, like, call that out as a whole. Uh, we're not talking about the inner asteroid belt here. We are looking at the Kuiper belt. Uh, and then subsequently the Oort cloud, which makes up a larger distinction of even more celestial bodies that kind of hang up in, uh, in, in, in space and whatnot. Uh, this is this is to say that like the distance that we're covering uh, is past Neptune in a lot of rights, or could also uh, deviate into Neptune a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's that's the problem with the Kuiper Belt and and like how asteroids and whatnot move as a whole. Uh, physics uh, as a as a general idea, they get caught in different uh, gravity wells, and of course each of the uh, each of the uh, uh, planets, especially when you start talking Saturn or Neptune or otherwise, are the large uh, bodies that have large gravitational pulls. So if these asteroids call, uh, kind of fall into those gravity wells, they can get thrown around. Uh, unless something lashes them together and their gravity becomes counter uh, to what the gravity of, say, Neptune would be. 
in which case then it doesn't get pulled around quite as much. Uh, one that I'm thinking of actually, I think Palas actually, two Palas falls into that problem because it goes back and forth between like where uh, or, or how uh, some of these designate objects are. Like it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it, uh, Anphelion is, is like farther out past, uh, Neptune and pretty well inside the Kuiper Belt, or at least it's presumed, but it's uh, Paraphelion, where it's closer to the sun, uh, can actually be as close, if I recall right, to Jupiter. Okay. So it can, it can the, its orbit, its general orbit uh, is so weird and, and so odd in the way that it kind of handles. Uh, that That's also what led to theories like uh, the, the, uh, the Nemesis star theory. Mm -hmm. uh, it took to kind of quote another uh, very prominent destiny weapon that everybody kind of thought of. That was a, uh, a a brown dwarf star that was said to possibly be uh, orbiting our system and actually would like fall back in every 50,000 years uh, and basically cause like the extinction leveled events that we kind of are uh, used to seeing, it seems, every 50,000 years on planet Earth. Uh, that was the, the going rate or going idea of why uh that was even happening uh i don't know why i really got this far down the rabbit hole uh but it really is just to kind of showcase like the the space that you're in with the reef is a chaotic mess to begin with mm -hmm. uh and to highlight that factor i think uh for the uh to to highlight that uh chaotic behind the reef and behind the awoken uh is actually one of their best traits in a lot yes. of rights uh, and and the being out in that uh, asteroid belt and where it lays at, where where it generally sits, uh, makes a lot of sense for for how uh, them as a a, uh, a species or race uh, kind of are at this point. It, it makes a ton of sense, uh, and it's a, a quaint little analogy I think that they sort of throw through in there. Anyway, I think I'm done talking about space rocks. I'm actually enjoying it. It's nice to get some actual discussion about it because i think it is something that can be easily misunderstood yeah. as far as with the location of where the awoken are well, since I'm, grade school you learn that the asteroid belt is between blank and blank mars and jupiter and yeah. that's 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 what you learn and so when you think about the fact that the awoken live within this asteroid field essentially in various locations it's easy to forget that no there's a lot of asteroids out there not just yeah. the ones between that between the two planets. Well, and even then, that's the ironic thing about the uh, the main asteroid belt that we have. Mm -hmm. A large majority of those were not uh, they they weren't bright enough, you could say, for us to pick up on like where they existed or what they were. Uh, Ceres was one of the odd objects out because it had its own uh, spherical shape. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love the fact that Bungie calls to Ceres and how, like, the, the fallen go around it, and it's, like, this big and important piece to them because they probably looked at it and mistook it for the Traveler to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, but the general principle of that asteroid belt, we had no idea that our inner system was that volatile. Right. We had zero idea that we had a failed planet and it may have possibly been due to Jupiter's gravity. And we had no idea that Jupiter was effectively that big because it was placed so much closer in our system by early astrophys uh, astrophysicists because of how big it was. So that should just kind of give you this example of like how chaotic the 
the inner system and outer systems generally are. Uh, but yeah, in, in grade school, you you bring up a great point, Green. You hear so much about the the main asteroid belt, but you never, I, I don't think growing up ever, I remember hearing about the Kuiper Belt or the Oort mm-hmm. Cloud or the fact that there's that much out there. I would have been so much more interested in hearing something like that in early grade school to say, how much is out there? Mm-hmm. And and all of a sudden you like have the your interest peaked in this different way uh, that effectively says like there there is this much unknown that exists in our system that may have been picked up by our uh, by by our sun's gravitational pull that is uncatalogued and cannot be cataloged to a large degree yet because we don't have the technology to figure it out. We also right. don't know how deep the Oort cloud goes. We It could be anywhere from like what they said uh, about 0.5 light years uh, away from uh away from the sun uh all the way up to like three light years away from the sun like that's the theory at this point with like how large uh this segment of space may end up being that's big that's really big uh and the general vicinity of like having all of those rocks and 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 comets and everything that kind of exist within them uh is just it, it, it's it's mind blowing to think that there is all that space that's out there. Uh, and I and I ran with a, a couple different theories, of course, on like how Ephrodite was going to come back because of the the comet, and the comet mm-hmm. was going to steal our light. And it turns out it was Gaul. Uh, anyway, I no, I, I think I'm, this is... I'm fascinated by space. If you can't tell, I I love it. It's it's nice to be able to talk about it because the reef is a location in space that we can kind of sort of map out now granted to say that we know exactly what the awoken territory would be in relation to our own understanding of space would be a gross in, like injustice because mm-hmm. we have ideas of where a lot of the awoken are at least military uh, military based right because of the reef wars and because of some of the stuff we got in d2 but as far as like civilian locations of those who remained with Mara, we, a, we don't know how many mm-hmm. we also don't know if there are civilian locations or if they're all military based or outpost of some sort. We do know of a mining facility that got destroyed. I believe that was Amethyst, wasn't it? If I'm just remembering off the top of my head. That was the one I believe that Petra was uh, largely involved with. Yeah, so yeah. I think that would be Amethyst. Yeah. Poor Petra. Yeah, but I'm gonna say that's where we largely know that story mm-hmm. from. I think there's multiple cities, hidden cities like the Dreaming City. That's true. Thank you, chat. But as far as like how many of the Awoken people are actually left right now that are considered uh, reefborn, not necessarily earthborn, it's very difficult to tell, and it's difficult to tell earthborn as well. But I think that is one heck of a lost lore slash we got into the demographics <laughs> and the um, locations of the Awoken people. But if you want to talk about the people themselves. Yeah. So about? I was content talking about space rocks more, but okay. <laughs> we could talk about space rocks. We'll, more. we'll come back. We'll come back to space rocks. Believe me, we're going to come back okay, to space okay. rocks. Oh, um, I know it'll come up at one point or another. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess the the quickest way to kind of jump into it is just looking at like the information from Destiny Two 
you know, how much it's furthered the story of the Awoken. Uh, We have like tales of time spent within the pocket universe known as the distributary, the escape, which Mara orchestrated to return to soul. Um, And then kind of to run through a a kind of a quick history of that, basically following that return, the, the Awoken underwent a schism. Uh, So you have a split between them, uh, creating the groups that we identify as the earthborn and the reefborn Awoken, which you've heard uh, green was mentioning just now. Uh, it was also around this point in time that Mara was Mara basically stepped into the midst of the war between the last city of humanity and the fallen, uh, taking out the threat that the House of Wolves or taking out the threat of the House of Wolves before they could reach Earth to support their brethren during Battle Twilight Gap. Now, I will call out that we don't know the time space between their return and that event. Uh, so that's I do want to make sure that that is stated clearly. We don't know how long after their return the refors began. It kind of feels like it was pretty soon, but we, you know, to be clear, we don't know for certain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what is the reef? I uh, what we know about the reef is that it has always been explained as a debris field in orbit within the asteroid belt of Sol. Uh, the reef is a mysterious realm that straddles the boundary between the far edge of the traveler's influence and the darkness of the outer system. We do know that the foundational pieces of the structures existed pre-Golden Age, but the level at which that foundation ends and the Awoken restructuring begins is currently unknown. Uh, we know a little bit about their society. It's a matriarchal society, uh, and the Awoken of the Reef really only bow to their queen, Marasov, though currently the selective deference has created a bit of friction among the group because Mara's apparent death during the initial moments of the Taken War. It was not until the Guardian, our Guardian, visited that we see the relationship between the city and the reef kind of moving into something close to being open and, dare I say, friendly, uh, though I hesitate to say that word. Uh, And this relationship would actually, very shortly following that, become tested by the events of the Taken War and the rise of the Forsaken. Uh, And that kind of gives us a a pre... a primer, if you will, into where we see the reef today. Uh, obviously, there is a lot more nuanced dealings going on, but as far as like a history, that's really, I mean, we didn't know a lot of this stuff in Destiny 1. We, we kind of had pieced together some stuff. We had made assumptions about other stuff, and some of the most of those assumptions were pretty well-grounded, and they did kind of get confirmed with the Destiny 2 information, but mm-hmm. especially with the opening of the Dreaming City, we had a lot confirmed. We had a very significant portion of information uh, that was written by just, I think it was Seth that did most of the the Awoken books, if I remember correctly. He did Marasena and I believe Awoken of the Reef, if not also Dreaming City. Right. And I, and I can't, I want, yeah, I want to say that that was predominantly his kind of his project. And, and so, I mean, amazing work there and it, it does, we, we had, just an immense amount of information that was given to us with destiny Two about specifically the awoken in the same vein that we're now kind of getting that information about Shin and the early city esque early earth post dark know, age, collapse, dark age, I guess. Yeah. Um, we're getting, we're getting a lot of clarity on these, these big focal points that often will, you know, fragment into even more questions, of course, but these big points, we are getting clarity now. When we talk about the reef, the other thing that is really important, and I kind of touched on this, is the society. Um, And this is really, you see a very, very sophisticated society, both politically, military, 
um, you know, you, you see in even economy, really. Mm-hmm. And that really stems from the fact that you have to remember that the Awoken, to be honest, the Awoken remember the Golden Age. They remember a lot more than currently, probably, I would argue, anyone else in the game as far as well, where they came from. Are you talking Golden Ages and within the distributary? Because do they remember once they're well, awoken? Well, I guess that's true. They were awoken, right? I, yeah, you're right. Uh, that's a very good point. I know. Because Mara might remember. I think, yeah, you're right. Because they I, were reborn. I that, don't, nope, that's correct. Yeah. You're, you're correct. Okay, that's correct. Um, they do now. They do have ship records from the yes. Yang Wei, but yes, you you're right. Okay, so, but I mean, still they have as far as sophistication. They also have however many thousands of years they were in the distributary um, mm-hmm. to develop upon when they did return to the reef. Yes. So and they did have the U-Tech that was based off of the Golden Age technology. Right. And as I, well. I would argue that, and they developed off of it. Not only did mm-hmm. they not only did they have the UTech, they actually built off of it and surpassed it. So right. there's also that where that kind of goes into I believe the gravity hammers and even the harbingers, maybe you know all that. But to kind of to kind of look at the society, you know, that kind of brings me to the other thing that I wanted to talk about was basically the major factions that are in play here. Uh, predominantly what we see in game is obviously going to be military. Uh, we, we are much more aligned with, you know, what's going on with their military because that's kind of, that's kind of our interaction as guardians Mm -hmm. of the city with the reef. That's where we kind of interact with them. Um, we do have mentions of other pe- of other groups, but we don't know much about them. So I'm going to start with the f- the military piece because that's the one that we do have quite a bit on, and that's really going to be the paladins. Um, the paladins. So the thing with paladins is that paladins there are seven of them technically. Uh, currently, <laughs> there are only four, and that's because of the Reef Wars and the Battle of Saturn. Between those two battles, or, well, that those two wars, really, because Battle of Saturn was really the, the starting point of the Taken War. Um, mm-hmm. Between those two wars, they have lost a lot of their paladins. Um, so the they paladin... lost a lot of everybody, Well, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, Battle of Saturn did kind of, what was it, a third... Of as their... well as techians and everything well yeah. no yeah i mean just like in general i think wasn't it like mm-hmm. nearly a th- I can't, it was an immense amount of loss on on the reef's part um but the paladins are currently so there's seven of them uh or seven positions and they're broken into three kind of primary groupings if you will there's the royal armada paladins which they are going to be the ones who lead the corsairs and the vestian guard normally there are four currently we only have three of them then we have the royal army paladins which exactly kind of they are the leaders of the royal army so the armada is kind of the fleet uh the the air force if you will and the army is the standing army. And then the last paladin is going to be the queen's guard. And this is going to basically be the the person who is responsible for that spe- that specialized guard of the queen. Uh, there is usually only one paladin for that, but there is currently no paladin. Probably because it's the last, probably going to be the last one filled currently because there is no queen at the moment. Um, so to go back, the royal armada paladins that we have right now are Hallam Finn, Kamala Rior, and Leona Brill. 
Uh, the I don't know, Green, did you want to touch on anyone in particular with those? Um, the thing that I want to kind of touch on when it comes to any of the paladins in general is that the paladins, you think of it as like a ranking system like we have in our own military. Paladins are a higher rank than the Corsairs. Yeah, they're like you the generals. Corsair. Yeah, you become a Corsair first, and then you step into the Paladin as you're, like, if you rank up high enough. Um, fun fact, there are male Paladins, which means there are likely going to be male Corsairs as well, because you have to be a Corsair most likely before you become a Paladin. Um, Halen is male, and uh, Pavel as well, which is one of the later ones. But yeah. as far as these guys, um, Hallam, Kamala, and Leona, Hallam was primarily brought up in D1. Most of these were actually brought up in D1. Kamala has been an important person within D2. She was there at the tower whenever she was the one who called to Zavala to say that the reef needed help essentially. And Zavala said, we will stand with the reef. That's that card. Kamala was the one who went and did that. Um, Leona, she was primarily a D1. Let's see here. Oh, fun fact about Leona. Leona, there's one item, the prodigal Curus, that mentions um, she wanted Petrovenge to take over the queenship after the events of the Taken King, which is very weird. Obviously, Petra did not want that, nor did she even attempt to that or even went anywhere near that because. That would have been a whole big mess to explain if Mara came back like that. But that is her big thing. And like Blue mentioned, we actually don't know who the fourth one is currently. But uh, uh, do you want to talk about the former ones? or? Yeah, so the former ones are Abrazire and Imogen Rife. Both of those are female. Imogen was a very big figure in the Reforce, and that's actually how we got Hallam. Hallam was Imogen's basically protege. And uh, when Imogen was killed pursuing, I can't remember who it was, uh, but Hallam basically took over after Imogen died. Uh, Abra was in, Abra, yeah, Abra was the Battle of Saturn. She died during that battle. Uh, so she was, so the the empty spot was Abra's. And then they just, I mean, I'm assuming they just haven't gotten around to filling it just yet. Um, and both, and like I said, Imogen was the one that she was very prominent during the reforce. She was, she Mm -hmm. had a lot, she had a lot going on as far as outsmarting the fallen. She was very good at that. Um, she was after a lot of the more cunning ones. Um, versus and Drevis and Vexus. I think Drevis was the one that finally got her. Yes. if If I remember, um, but it was near the end of the Reforce. Like Im- Imogen was, ver- I mean, she she was very good at what she did. Um, and again, these are these are the ones that are the direct leaders of the Corsairs and the Vestian Guard. Uh, Corsairs are the they take the name from the Corsairs from the Distributary, but they are much more formal than it feels like than the ones in the Distributary. Distributary. This distributary. Distributary. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. The Corsairs in the Distributary were more mercenary-like, and like you definitely get the feeling that the Corsairs in the Reef are 
they they have that same kind of general feel but here you actually see the paladins as being much it, it kind of feels like the paladins are a little bit more in control of what the corsairs are doing uh and they that's are where also the no, go they're for it, go also for the ones who tend to do the hunts they're the ones who direct the hunts um petra petra was under worked underneath some of these as a corsair when she became a corsair right so. uh and and i would agree that you're probably going to see a, a good probably a good number of male corsairs because that's kind of i think that's i think that's not a uncommon thing for that uh the fact that there's male paladins i think is the the rare thing which actually kind of brings us to the royal army paladins with pavel uh pavel mm-hmm. was a uh, royal army paladin who was in the battle of saturn he died there uh and then we had we did have some of the royal like so the royal army is the boots on the ground right they're they're the ones that are going to be probably more of the police the military police esque feeling which is where you get the three that were assassinated by pyrrha um which are Tello, uh, what is that? Telosir, Loris Pole, and Hollis, Hollis Esso. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm not, I'm, it doesn't surprise me that we see, you know, them being assassinated here is because, again, I, I kind of get the feeling that they were, they're the equivalent of the security force for the Awoken. Uh, so you're going to, you know, unrest, you send in the Paladins or the Royal Army. I would also venture to say that the, Royal Army Paladins, at least Pavel, went with, um, they're kind of like the guard detail for the Techians. Yes. Because yeah. Pavel went with uh, Keldavaj, and that card, uh, the Bamberger card, is where Pavel sees the glowing creature on the exterior of his ship before they do the near light speed jump. Mm-hmm. And both think- Pavel and Kelda were put into. Um, basically isolation for right, about a month right. yeah after they returned. and i think pavel was killed because he was on the ship with the the tetuans if i rem- if i remember that might be incorrect on that but i kind of got the I, I i seem to remember him being connected to that to the uh the tetuans the i want to call it the catch was it a catch I keep wanting to call it the catch that mara and the tetuans were on her flagship essentially yeah yeah pretty much um yeah that's that's technically designated as a catch was it what, okay I, was, I, I kept wanting to say that um and then we do have the last kind of grouping is the queen's guard paladin uh like i said this this would be the one that is uh pretty much responsible for the queen's guard like that's you know which is separate from the vestian guard the vestian guard's kind of like that general air force guard that protects the uh, vestian web um and the royal army is obviously an army it's not really specialized this is kind of like your, your secret service if you will uh and both of these paladins have been killed uh the one was so the first one was Yasmin Eld, which we see as being killed in the Battle of Saturn. And then the one that was recently killed, and this was the one that we were kind of talking about a little bit earlier, is I think it's Dina. Dina. Uh, she was the one that uh, Aldrin Sov shot in the mm-hmm. throne room when he broke in and burned it to the, burned it to the ground. 
I don't really have much on these guys as far yeah. as like the history Dina, and whatnot. I know Dina kind of there's a, there's a little there's a few little tidbits from the Dina, uh, the death of Dina that you kind of get the sense that you know again the habitual deference to the awoken uh, royalty. Uh, I mean, it's not it's nothing like super um, like groundbreaking. It's just kind of confirmation that they have habitually deferred to Mara and Aldrin. Because they're the the royal. I mean, it's like that's that's very common in a. a, a I don't want to call it a dictatorship, a monarchy. Gosh, man, I blanking on words. Um, mm-hmm. So like there there was that that like nod that you know you have, and then she. I think that was also where we see that the the mental uh, acuity of the awoken are is slightly quicker than their base humanity uh, because of the the distraction. It's like half that of humans, but it's still there, which is a, another small thing. Um, which actually, I mean, like, and that's kind of the pal- like like Green said, the paladins really are kind of a rank. Uh, there are again, there are only seven of them, so you know, kind of just keep that in mind. It is a very high honor to be a paladin, um, and really, that kind of leads to the the next kind of big the big group that we know. We don't know many of them. Actually, I think we know if one. You, if you knew it. any more of them, you'd yeah, probably be, be dead. Dead um, is <sighs> the crows, and these are the basically these are the equivalent of the hidden uh, for the the awoken. This is their intelligence network, and the only crow that I really know we know of is Julian Till, and that's besides be- Aldrin. But yeah, <clears throat> well, yeah, I guess that's correct. Aldrin used to be the the master of the crows. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the intelligence network. And I mean, and a big, big kind of deal with that was the crows arguably were some of the reasons that they survived the refors. Uh, the crows were very responsible for not just, not just gathering intelligence, but also counterintelligence during the refor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, I, I can't remember exactly, but I know that there was some component of the crows with Varix as far as like right. when that, when that whole um, defection happened um so yeah julian julian is apparently one of the the scouts he's a he's a renowned sniper he is also a very good weaponsmith weaponsmith he is the reason that we have lord of the wolves um and black talon i believe those are the only two that he's created in game um i wish we had more information about the crows i mean as far as things that the crows have done Aldrin and Julian went to the Black Garden. Um, they get into a lot of trouble together. There's some fun yeah, little stories yeah. <laughs> in the Forsaken Prince book that I highly suggest reading. Um, they are kind of the the they're the pair that you see getting into trouble most often, but also in like the most college frat boy way. Almost, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard. It's just. They're so funny, and Julian is so innocent in comparison to how Aldrin is portrayed most of the time. At least that's how it comes across to me. But yeah, the black uh, Black Talon mentions the crows of the black hole. Uh, So hmm. let's see. I'm not sure. Um, So that I mean, really, that's the crow. And then, of course, the the next group that we want to talk about in their society is the, obviously the, the one that also is equally, you know, well-known or 
well-known, but we don't know much about them, uh, though we do now know a little bit more thanks to the Awoken of the Reef and the Mara Senna and all that, and that's the Tetuans. Um, now, before Destiny 2, we thought that there were there were only a limited number of Tetuans for, for reasons, you know, kind of for political reasons similar to Paladins. But with Destiny 2, we actually learned that the Tetuans are actually... They're they're pretty. They're not limited. It's not a it's not a limited number. Um, it's an order. It's an yeah. It's an order that you can actually be raised in, uh, as we learned from Petra. Petra was actually being raised as a Tetuan in training, up until the slaughter at Amethyst. At which point she left and she went to join the Corsairs. A large mm-hmm. part of that that anger that Petra had, which actually ties Petra's story actually ties into a lot of this Petra's wrath from the amethyst slaughter was what led to the mistake that was made with her and Aldrin which then led to her being disbarred from being a corsair into being an emissary to the city and then later reinstated as not just a corsair but eventually the wrath of the queen herself she uh, um she moves up into a paladin position though doesn't she and no, because, she never. I don't think she ever hit she Paladin. To, she went. She went straight to Wrath because that was. It. Yeah, she she went straight to Wrath because that was when she found uh, Shur's medal. I believe she was the one. She was well, the one that found Shur, if I remember correctly. Well, she was. She, she yeah. She was kind of there at Shur's body and whatnot, or at least did we have a body with that one i'm just trying to remember now through that card because that card i don't remember if it was an actual body or if it was just the items but i think it yeah i know that it was the items because that was what they I, i'm not sure to be honest i don't remember off the top of my head um but that's yeah so that was a quick rundown of how petra kind of went from from a tetuan to a corsair to the bottom of the barrel back up to the very top um and that was mostly, I mean, and that and that also explains why Petra is able to do the little knife trick that she's able to do. Uh, it's kind of implied that that is a little bit of the the Tetuan space magic, if you will. Though that's probably a bad explanation. Um, and part of what I was going to say is part of the the anger that Petra felt was the fact that one of those that was killed at Amethyst was a coven leader by the name of Pinar Venge. Uh, we don't have confirmation that they are related familially, but the same last name, it kind of, it. I think it's a safe assumption to say that there were they were familiar with each other at least. Uh, a lot of, I know a lot of people have connected that as being her mother. Um, and you also have mention of her sisters dying at Amethyst. So again, mm-hmm. we don't know, to be fair, it's an order. So you don't know if it's necessarily you know, sisters as in like, you know, a a coven or a covenant, you know, or whatever, or if they were actually sisters, like we don't know that part. Um, Currently, the living Tetuans that we do know about are Shurochi, who is responsible actually for the pilgrimage information, which has been pretty interesting from the Dreaming City, uh, Kali, and then Sadia, who was interesting. Sadia is interesting because Sadia was taken and then we rescued her, if I remember that correctly. Oh, Three of them were taken, and we were all three. Them. Okay, we all th- we because rescued all of them. Oh, that's right, that's right. Because that was the, the raid. The raid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Because yeah, you're going through 
all three of them to get to Riven eventually at the end. But as far as their roles currently, it's appears you I'm, you said Sadia was the one who does the pilgrimages. Shuro is the one that does the pilgrimages. Sadia was the one that was in the strike. Corrupted strike. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Shiro I know that is... because I've had to run that strike a lot recently. Are you trying to get the the ship or not the ship, the no, items for the Dreaming just, City? No, I'm just running it because I want the oxygen scout rifle and it's a strike. I see. I see. I see. I need the um, oxygen. The former Tekians are super interesting mm-hmm. as yep. far as some of their stories go. Uh, Ilan, who was deemed the coven mother after the death of Penarvenge. Well, she- see, I... I, I I disagree with that. I don't know if that's necessarily true because Pinar was the coven leader of Amethyst. Ilion was always so, described as the coven mother. So do you think they're just like, like I'm thinking abbeys and nuns, right. like different I, I mothers of the abbey? Yeah, it's either that or or even Ilion was above Pinar. Like Ilion was like on the field as the coven mother and Pinar or Pinar, however you want to say it. I uh, was kind of I kind of got the feeling that she was like the uh, the mother, if you will, the leader of that particular uh, if we're going to go down the Abu, that particular covenant, that training school, mm-hmm. boarding school, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, she was the headmistress of that boarding school. And she so she could I've always just kind of I kind of read it as Ilian was the master of all the Tetuans and Pinar was just one of the headmistresses of a of a boarding school. That's just how I read it. Um, so, I mean, but I don't... Because we also don't really have a timeline between Ilian and... We do know that Ilian is still around after Pinar's death, but we don't know when Ilian got brought into the Order, if you will. I mean, Ilian is... I don't think she was ever described as not being a coven mother. Because she's... Even in her own namesake card, I believe is also... Because in that namesake card, she's kind of pushing back against Petra. Yes. <clears throat> but um Ilion and I believe Lysol, Nasia and Portia died on the ship with Mara. There might be one of them that was not on that ship. I can't remember. There was at least three, if not four of them that died there. Pinard died at Amethyst and then Kelda died rather spectacularly <laughs> in the Dreaming City, which is still one of my favorite favorite stinking stories, even though it's disturbing as I'll get out. Speaking of which, Spinfoil, Beard, I need your opinion on this. Oh, no. Kelda and Pavel were in the Bamberga card on the same ship. The ship that had the creature of attached to, like, that Pavel saw before they uh, jumped. Partial correction. Uh, Pavel was the only one on that soul ship because it was a single flyer. Are you uh, sh- then yes, were they Kelda traveling was the one together? That conducted the investigation okay. and then put uh, Pavel in quarantine. That's the only thing that I would say on that angle. Because uh, continue. I was just going down that one because information received um, from Paladin Nog considered sober, dependable, not a fantasy. Nog reported <laughs> a glowing creature on exterior of his ship retribution moments uh ship retribution moments before routine nls jump retribution fdr showed uh radiation spikes on all the different locations showed no effect on recommendation of 
of called. Okay, so she just did the investigation. Got it. I read it as if she was with him. Do you think it's, that it's easily read that way? Actually, I, I absolutely understand why you would why you would. Say. Do you think though that because of what we learned in the most recent information that dropped Tuesday, that the thing that Pavel possibly saw slash brought back may have been part of dust and that Kalda <laughs> may have been infected by said thing and that green green that is the most masterful dancing around the subject i have <laughs> uh, um, i mean can i just say i don't know because i haven't read dust oh come on <laughs> well, that's like I... the craziest one look i have so much time okay i have so much time it's 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 a very finite amount Okay. 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 I also can't read when I'm at work. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just. It's so. 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 I will get there. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Just. Okay. You set off the beard. I know. Why set are you the... making me so grumpy tonight? I'm sorry. So Kelda has a lot of spin foil potential. Oh, uh, yes, moving okay. moving on to the cryptarchy. That's great to know. Now that my mind is already made up that there's a lot of spin foil I can cover out of that book. Oh my god, not that, yes. Not that I wouldn't already also have stolen intelligence lot. and also uh was the name how do you pronounce that one? Uh Ecdysis? Ecdysis? Ecdysis, The Book of Orin. That's all yeah, I'm going to call it. That's that's the that's one that amazing. I read, which so I amazing. love what I read out of that, honestly. So, hey, actually, but. that has some of the information that could help you with this, the spin foil. <laughs> oh, God. Because the thing that happened in oh, that the book. the thing with the jar and the guy and the Yes, and the, the flavin okay. and, the, and the tentacle face. Right. <laughs> Spoilers. Right. All right. No. So it's, it's like that. Oh, all right. Hang on. Hold up a second. The implications of that being the case, yeah, and like all of a sudden we've got like War of the Worlds going on here. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. I think mm-hmm. I see. I'm, I'm glad that you brought Beard onto the 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 ship of madness that you and I have been on, Green. Right. Okay. I'm I'm glad we're all on just about the same page because if there's stuff that I can't see, that explains a lot. Just give him water. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Or or you know just. Uh, just just show him what a bird is i don't know <laughs> show him what a bird is i i mean maybe that's why pigeons are the only things that are left <laughs> so the cryptarchy yeah so cryptarchy so the darkness ultimate goal was to wipe out birds not well humanity. hey you know what at least the bees are alive. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Cryptarchy. Let's so go. Cryptarchy. Uh, Cryptarchy, the major figure that we know of in the Cryptarchy currently is Master Ives. Of course, he is in the you know, reef. In the reef, right. The reef Cryptarchy uh, is Master Ives. Now, we do have quite a bit of information about the Cryptarchy that I'm not going to try. I'm probably not going to get into because there's so much information and so much sadness. And, and there's an, there's another one who got uh, mentioned in the new books too her story is really sad her story's in dust 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, well, and she, but she was from the city. She was an earth or earthborn. Yeah. She was. Although she was of the cryptarchs of the city. Though she did kind of team up with I, some of the awoken or the reborn. But if I remember correctly, the schooling for the cryptarch is out in the reef. That is. So that is what I kind of I kind of agree with that. I think though, after the Reefborn and the Earthborn had the schism between them, that there was a division. Also, obviously, there was a division between the tower or the sorry the the city and the Reef uh, schools of thought, uh, because there is often a kind of underlying difference of philosophies if you will between mm-hmm. what we see with raul and uh ives from d1 and well from we don't really interact with ives at all in d2 and, th- and now he's of course we're not going to interact with him at all anymore because i mean that dead. letter was still amazing oh my god the snarky letter oh between the gosh. two of them they they uh oh my gosh ives is such an a-hole um but but <laughs> We'll take your information, but we're not giving you anything. Like, mm-hmm. all right, thanks. You know, Jerk. you know what I, you know what I have to say about that whole situation. Hmm. At least I got Thunderlord. <laughs> uh, but we do, we do. I do agree that I think the original Cryptarch, uh, the Cryptarchy was originally kind of set up there. We do kind of learn about that with Tyra. Uh, Tyra was actually one of the founders of the cryptarchy, uh, and the entire the entire point of the cryptarchy really is to rediscover and uncover information from the golden age. That's what they do. They are crypto archaeologists, uh, and the reason why they are called crypto archaeologists is because their job is really decoding engrams, uh, which are literally cryptocurrency like it's a cryptocurrency basically um and so they are decoding these engrams from the golden age and from prior around there to uncover information and you know use it depending on the philosophy of the school use it either use it or protect it from being uncovered and green i know you probably had something on that yeah i just had a connection question uh cryptarchy is Specifically what we call them here in Seoul. But do you think they actually have their roots within the U-technology initially from the distributary? We don't have any examples or lore that would back this up. I mean, well, I, mean I think I actually would argue that you probably together. do. You probably do. Because if you look at the concept of what the U-techs in the distributary were doing... They mm-hmm. were really, and, and sorry, the full term is crypto archaeologist. <clears throat> um, they really were concerned with decrypting the information from the Lang- Yang Luei or the excess screen, whichever you want to call it. Um, they were they were con- concerned with decrypting that information and and using it. Now the understanding is that the Utex would become the Tetuans as they progress through, you know, from technology into kind of a more magical, I guess, sense. Uh, well, they, I mean, they still have um, the implants and stuff. Yeah, like I mean, too. tech, I mean, they are called tech witches, which I still can't see them as anything but shadow run characters um, because they're techno mages. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, the cryptarchy is definitely, I think, more about, you know, recovering information from the golden age and recovering information as like artifacts utilizing yeah artifacts to understand you know what exactly happened 
you know, um, Raul uh, is specifically called out in the grimoire as being like, he, he treats each new Ingram as a chance to understand what is referred to as the glory of the golden age or the terrible truth of the collapse. Um, and it's, it's even called out that, you know, you have to listen to his idle dialogue because he has some really interesting stuff to say and he may be the first to understand something. Um, and if you look at like the different conversations that Raul has throughout the lore, there are like really random and almost funny conversations that he has, but they're also really kind of a glimpse into what he's actually learning and what he's actually uncovering. Uh, we do find out in Destiny 2 that the city, in the same way that the Reef has a school, uh, the city also has a school where they are training new Cryptarchs. And so that's where I'm like, you know, in today's Destiny, or in current Destiny, uh, I think that both the city and the Reef have their own conflicting schools or competing schools. It's like, a, you know, college, basically. It's two colleges. Um, whereas in D1, uh, we... Now we, I'm, I'm gonna say this. I think in D1 there was the idea that the city still had a school, but we didn't hear about it. We had only heard about the assistants and the, I uh, uh, don't know what they were called. The, the basically the gophers uh, for the masters of the cryptarchy in the reef, because Ives would constantly, Ives had a, a couple idle dialogues that he would, he would drop here and there, uh, about having assistants go get him stuff. And, you know, you need to return this book because we need it and, you know, whatever. Um, we never heard Raul say that though with the lore that we get with, uh, this recent update, we do see that there isn't, is a standing school in the city. Um, I think that's, I mean, that's pretty much really a, a, a summary view of the cryptarchy. I know there, there's a lot more about the cryptarchy that we do know. Um, but I don't want to dive into that. We kind of have already done an episode on the cryptarchy from way back in destiny one. Uh, and I think most of it was still, is still pretty accurate as far as, cause I don't think we actually discussed too many theories as far as that particular episode that was with, uh, purple. Um, mm -hmm. but real quick, let's jump to another group, another, well, not a group, another position, uh, and that's the queen's wrath. And I know green, you're probably the best one here to talk about <clears throat> Petra Venge. What a setup. Uh, Petra, <laughs> Petra is, I, let's start with Jure because Jure has, that's I think, fair. a more interesting history currently yeah, in some respects than Petra does. Especially with Shaxx. Yeah, that was cool. Although, <laughs> does Beard know that yet? He probably doesn't. He probably doesn't know about. So apparently, Shax can take multiple shots from Wishender, and not have any problem. Beard, comment, prayer request. Um, I'll I'll hold comments. <laughs> anyway, I'm just sure. gonna get in trouble if I make any kind of comment. Okay, but, just... but sure, no, you're not. Sure, I am. No, you're sure not. I, am. I can sure. already think of three people that are gonna that are gonna like anyway. Liz. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like the three people I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for her to find out about that. By the way, she already because did. please no. She did. Oh, yeah, good. She's been messaging how, me for like two days. How Jure and Shax are best friends, essentially. <laughs> well, you mean, sure, you mean, sure is you, the one who introduced Shax to Mara. Uh huh. Which. You know, it it might actually put an arrow through the whole theory of Marax. Not according to I Liz. Mean, 
I, no, this... it completely kills it. <laughs> We're going with that idea. Okay. It it to death. <laughs> Shax was a real titan until he took an arrow to the knee. Uh, huh. Can we just stop the podcast on that notion? Like, is that where we can end it? Please. Uh, I feel like I'm just comedic relief and the science guy at this point. Just call me Bill Nye, I guess, at this point. You are way more attractive than Bill Nye. I I mean, did you see Bill Nye in his prime? He wasn't that bad, I guess. I guess. Not sure All how to right. follow that up. I don't know. I don't know where so I'm anyway, going sure. with this at this point. Yes, thank you. So, sure. The original Queen's Wrath to Mara. Now, granted, there are Queen's Wrath within the distributary themselves, but Jure becomes Mara's Wrath after an assassination attempt-ish on Mara's life. She goes after Mara because she's angry about things, and she tries to kill her. Mara instead cannot kill her because she kind of sees the human side of Mara with the whole tech thing that ends up happening and then her and sure and aldrin have this kind of showdown where they have three different trials and it pretty much ends up where jure is kind of offering her her life and everything to mara at the end of it and mara instead of killing her or like pushing her away or anything like that takes her on as her essentially personal bodyguard slash um vengeance person like Jure goes and does all the hunting essentially which considering the history of her going after mara seems kind of fitting she likes to go and do that kind of thing she likes to go and hunt she apparently likes to go and hunt ahamkara as well as other things but in the reef itself Jure is a character who is kind of talk about comic relief she's kind of the most relatable, I think, of a lot of the characters that we see from the from the reef. A lot of at them least the most straightforward. Oh yeah, God. <laughs> who was it? Was it the um, Jensen scribes who were like, "Oh my God." Uh huh. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, yeah, they were like, no, we." <laughs> yeah, they were terror. like, we don't want to make her mad. Just, just, just don't piss her off. <laughs> Run away. Right. God. That was their response, actually, was, run away, run away. Uh Now I have Monty Python stuck in my head. Uh Uh-huh. And now I have the the hoofs with the coconuts. But uh, Zhur Zhur is a person who has been known in lore to have dreams within soul. She saw her own death, essentially. Mar prevented it, and then... She kept having dreams, if I remember correctly, and had a bunch of different things happen with that. She was always kind of Mars' right hand. The point in start that way. No, no, it didn't. And then it didn't end up in the middle of that being the right hand either. She just ended up being all of Mara at one point, all Mm. all of everything to Mara, which Mm -hmm. is kind of a sweet story. Mm -hmm. Mara's discovery of Jure's death is one of the most heartbreaking cards I've read in like recent weeks. And how like the synced it was in in a lot of rights with with what we had in a, the Orin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's described else that that entry and how short it was. I was mm-hmm. just like, oh okay. Like you you don't necessarily see how much Jure really means to Mara 
until that spot. You get hints of it, but you never fully see it. Yeah. Well, well, like she, she definitely lets her guard down a little bit more with sure, for sure. Uh, no, no, Ryan in that. Oh God. Mm -hmm. Uh, the the base idea though was like yes she's the the right hand of Mara uh she's the queen's wrath she's very important uh but how much uh of this like really carries out or how friendly were they or uh how much did they really care for each other etc uh you don't really get that moment until absolutely snap like mm -hmm. that is like that that's the closest that I think uh we kind of see Mara snap between mm -hmm. that and uh when she talks back to ghost the one of the the times of going back to see her like those few entries were definite okay yeah this is this is showing that mara's got a little humanity behind her way well there's even a point in the um dreaming city where there was a tree planted this i believe is one of the pilgrimages um yeah. it is an unlucky sign or an un it's something that is not done that you do not erect a, a statue of a person who you don't know for sure if they're dead or not. Right. Um, so Mara planted a tree after Zhur went missing. And it wasn't until later that Zhur's statue was erected within the throne, uh, throne realm in the um, shattered throne, what would eventually become the shattered throne. But um, Mara, began mourning Zhur, but always had hope. And you see that hope finally die in that card within the uh, the Oren book, which is heartbreaking. Um, Petra, if we're going to move past Zhur into Petra, the concept of the Queen's Wrath is something I've kind of been struggling with, like what makes a Queen's Wrath the Queen's Wrath. And so in my mind, and this is somewhat headcanon slash just spending a lot of time thinking about this character um the queen's wrath is a character who has generally gone through a immense amount of loss in some respects and has a wrathful nature that kind of sets them off petra um Jure does that with the whole assassination attempt on mara petra does that after the um attack on amethyst and the becoming of a corsair she drops the techian uh, training becomes a corsair. Her and Aldrin have the problem with um, making Petra made a bad call on the field, and Aldrin blowing up the was it three fire teams, three groups? Thing it's either three yeah. or two. Yeah, three, three fire, teams. fire teams of uh, guardians completely killing them, and then the Petra being kicked to the tower. Petra's steadfastness, I think, is what ends up winning her back over with Mara. But Petra, like Beard said earlier, is the one who found Zhur, or Blue said it earlier, found Zhur's body, which uh, got more confirmation on that, that it was actually the body and not just the items. Because on the body itself, there was a coin, a strange coin, which mm -hmm. granted in the card is listed as a strange coin. It does not capitalize, but with the information we got recently, which that card is part of the information we got recently, that is likely a strange coin as what we had in D1. So if you are new to Destiny's universe, new to the lore, strange coins are what we used to spend with um, Zer, the good old tentacle face himself to get items. And they were representatives of the nine or a part of the currency with the nine. But Petra finds a coin on Zhur's body and reports back, comes back. And then 
not too terribly long after that, Mara brings Petra up into um, Wrathdom, and we see her as a Wrath within uh, the Vestian Outpost and House of Wolves. So timing-wise, it's interesting when she becomes Wrath. Petra, after becoming Wrath, and everything that happens with Mara, she becomes acting regent, which is another post that we haven't necessarily laid out here. She's still technically Queen's Wrath. Queen is still in some ways around, even though she's taken off to go talk to somebody. And we don't know exactly where. I don't know who she's off visiting right now. But Petra is still the acting hand to the Queen. And she still holds the Queen. Um, fun fact, Petra actually had... Some supporters, but most of the cards that we have when it comes to Petra as acting regent are of people who either are unsure as acting regent, whether it's Aldrin or a few other paladins, calling her into question essentially as far as what she's doing and whether or not they should move on. There's a card in particular that talks about a memorial that the Awoken people were having for Mara's, thinking that she was completely dead and Petra refused to go. But um, beyond that, I think we should go into the actual nobility themselves. Anybody want to kick off with Miss Mara? She's crazy, yo. She's a queen. She's a queen. Yeah. (laughs) She was elected their queen, though. Uh Uh-huh. By all technicalities, she was elected. I will fight Uh you. I will I mean, fight you on this. I mean, anybody anybody can manipulate people quite quite as well. As she. I mean, she is. I mean, she's like I I joke about it, but mm-hmm. that that's that's her general station for for be, uh, better or worse in a lot of rights. Right. Uh, but one thing that I will say is that she, uh, is also okay with the idea of being hated, which they they highlight in uh, the Orin book, which mm-hmm. is really what I'm just going to call it at this point because that's what it really is. Uh, but the major thing that I really can uh, kind of appreciate about her, uh, she she keeps a lot of secrets for her own, uh, possibly her own benefit, but she does allow for some people to effectively know them. Uh, like uh, letting know, letting Alice Lee know that, hey, uh, just to let you know, you weren't the first that were, that, that came back. Right. Uh, and that like sends her into this fiery fury. Uh, I, I loved that little moments that was shared um, between those two and the distributary. But and that's the the major piece about her is like how much she definitely like manipulates or alters a lot of things, makes makes truths out of things that aren't necessarily true, where it's like perspective driven in a lot of rights. Which funny enough that we bring up the word perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other piece though is that she has a uh, a me. Uh, to communicate with her people, uh, especially the Reefborn Awoken, and even the Earthborn say that they feel like a, a pull or a tug in one direction. Even Guardians uh, talk about it from time to time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, kind of showcased a little bit more with Orin, which, by the by, more we got to talk about Orin when it's Aldrin. Right. Uh, the largest pieces, though, of uh, like what, she, what she's kind of considered and looked at, uh, she works with uh, many guardians over the course of time, uh, especially Osiris, large, larger Eris. ones. Yeah, I gotta say, at least largely considered, he worked with. Uh, she worked with Osiris, which I I think is more. Um, but there's there's those little bits. Uh, 
and then of course taking on the Taken King and like one of the first ones that did it, uh, or ultimately finding out that like she was the one that kind of stopped him in his tracks to begin with. I think that was the funniest thing, all of it. Uh, so she's she's definitely a very uh, figure to our struggle. Uh, without her, I don't think we would be anywhere close to like where we are. Right. Uh, even technologically, I don't think so either, because by her uh, jumping out of the distributary and bringing a good majority of the uh, tech that the Awoken had, that they had developed, uh, they very well could be that uh, took us out of the Dark Age, brought us into City Age uh, full and proper. Uh, we may have started it by gathering under the Traveler, but they were the ones that gave us the technology uh, excel a little bit. What I've kind of at least put in my head came. Uh, so, and I think there's a couple of the orange books that sort of back. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about Mara, though. She did not rise to queenship until after they re- arrived back in Seoul, after they left the tributary. And it wasn't right away once they got into Seoul. It actually took a little while because you see in one of the Reef War cards, the there is a, I want to say it's a Corsair or a Paladin, um, somebody who is on the ship helping with navigations or like attack plan and stuff he was like just that. A mechanic. Was he a mechanic? He refers yeah. to just her as Mara. And Mara and the Tetuan on his case. Yeah. The Tetuan basically snaps at him and says, you will address her by her title, which it's one of those things where you see, okay, this is a fairly new thing for people to, to see Mara as they don't just see her as Mara because in the distributary, she was just Mara. She was not, she was a very techie person. Like she did all sorts of like um, technological advances as did um, Aldrin. Although Aldrin, you don't really see him getting into the tech stuff until much later, but she did not rise to queenship until after they got back to Seoul. But. Well, speaking of Aldrin. Mm-hmm. Mr. Let's talk, let's talk about Aldrin before, before pulled pork. Aldrin before pulled pork was kind don't of a jerk mean, to any guardian. Don't you mean a guardian before or a, a Aldrin before a new guardian? I yeah, still want to see said, what's going it? on with that. <laughs> Even though it won't really be a new guardian at this point because it's been Warren... three months. Oh, that too. We, 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 yeah. Aldrin Sov, brother to Mara Sov, known as El, uh, Olduin on Yang Liwei, remembers, interestingly enough, so we. You talk about how they don't remember a lot about their former life from when you are on Yang Liwei to becoming Awoken. Yet Aldrin Osana, which is another character we're just going to, I would like to mention at least, and Mara all know that they're family. So there are some things that apparently translated over as far as the Awoken, becoming Awoken and being reborn. There are some memories or at least familial ties that translate over. But Aldrin is the master of crows. He is perceived as kind of a jerk face, as putting it lightly. He does not like guardians. There are reasons he does not like guardians, um, namely because of, what was it, Savin? Aldrin Aldrin is the character who basically goes out and finds things for Mara. He's the one who brought Riven to Mara. He brought the um, Asphodelia flower or the Asphodelia plant to Mara. He also brought Savin, um, one of the first uh, guardians to be 
first awoken guardians to be brought to the queen. And he also uh, brought most of our first uh, telemetry back, or the first telemetry back to the awoken about the light last season. He, I don't know, he's the one who goes and finds information, and his his relationship, as far as with him and the queen, could be an entire episode, in my opinion, as far as talk about um, not only just mental health, but also just the interesting psychological connections that they t- those two have. Um, Aldrin is constantly trying to, in some ways, prove himself to Mara, which is seen in all sorts of different ways, even though in a lot of ways he goes against what Mara wants him to do. Um, Mara banned him from going to the Black Garden. He kind of did it anyways, but by doing so, he did bring back a bunch of information as well as uh, the Asphodelia plant and very important information for the queen for later. Uh, Aldrin, Aldwin, Aldrin, gosh darn it, now I'm getting stuck on his old name, obviously gets taken by Riven after, not really taken. He Tricked. Tricked. He basically, once Mara goes through with the Taken King and falls to Oryx and goes into the throne realm with Oryx, Aldrin basically thinks she's dead. So Mara obviously did not tell him everything. Mara also did not tell Petra everything, by the way. Petra knew a little bit, enough to keep her going, but not, she didn't know the whole plan. I think the only ones who kind of knew more of her plan were the Tekians, and even they seem to be left out of at least part of it. But Aldrin crashes on Mars after the whole thing, which is kind of a bizarre location considering that he would basically have to fly from outside of Saturn to Mars. But um the he becomes infected with essentially with um infected with ribbon in some respects is the easiest way to put it. He starts rubbing his eyes, the whole thing for the Forsaken goes down where he and the barons and everything go down. And Petra slash our guardian, whoever you think or both, kill him at the end of Forsaken in revenge of Cade or retribution for Cade. And then back in December this last year, we see a little ghost by the name of Pulled Pork, who is a special ghost. And I am really wanting, like, I really want Bungie to do some cutscenes with Pulled Pork talking to Aldrin. <laughs> Dear God, please. Hi. Please make this a Hi. thing. Hey, do you want to do this? No. Just... <laughs> If he's still got the same personality as a guardian, that's another thing I want to see. He would be the first character we see before and after. And I want to see if his personality sticks. But, oh my gosh, it would be so freaking hilarious to see Pulled Pork. Because Pulled Pork is the ghost from the ghost <laughs> You're stories. You're my guardian! Yeah, no. Um, the He's the ghost who was scanning, wasn't it? like Everything. Everything. Iron beams yeah, and everything. concrete. He was scanning concrete. He, well, he he interrupted the conversation he was having with Nietzsche. Nietzsche. No, God, Nietzsche. what is it? No. Nietzsche? Nietzsche? 32? And Agu? Uh, he interrupted Agu, the conversation yeah. to turn around and scan a block of concrete. And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm looking for my guardian. Maybe my guardian is really small. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like... Oh my gosh! Maybe, maybe you can't see his. <laughs> oh no! What have I done? 
I mean... Oh I don't want to go down this train anymore. Anyway. I'm done. That's where, that's where Aldrin is. Somewhere with pulled pork. Um, we know Mara knows about it, but we don't know if Mara has him or if he's somewhere else. We have no idea where he's at right now. Which, Bungie, please, let's just get this over with because I want I just ripped that band-aid off. I want to see it. I'll tell you where he's not. In the tower? Dead. That's true. <laughs> Did you guys see that webcomic? Yeah. No. Why are you trying to I, shoot my guardian? <laughs> I shared that webcomic. Is that where you I, I was like, because it, okay. it was adorable. <laughs> and I was like, no, this would be me. I would immediately look at him and be like, I'm going to shoot you. you again. And then I'd be like, well, oh, now I feel like a jerk. Uh huh. Just, and of course, Zavala walking away going, I know, I'm done. I need Ikora. <laughs> I need Ikora. <laughs> you just need, like, pulled pork to talk for Aldrin at least part of the time, and then you wouldn't be able to shoot him. At least I wouldn't be able to shoot him. Mm, yeah, I mean, if pulled pork jumps in the way, I'd just be like, you know, I can't, I can't be mad at you, pork. You just, You're just you, so you, cute. You would just go back to scanning con- concrete blocks and iron beams. Oh what goodness. kind of a life is that for a ghost? Oh my gosh. Poor Aldrin. Uh, last character I do want to mention, she's not actually here in Seoul, but she is important as far as to Mara and Aldrin, and that is their mother, who is mm-hmm. Osana. And the main reason I'm bringing her up is because Osana, as far as we know within the distributary, is still alive. But there is a statue to Osana within the Dreaming City. So it, that is kind of the one that breaks the rule of do not have a statue for people who are n- not confirmed to be dead. But she is the mother of both Mara and Aldrin. And I could not even imagine trying to mother those two. Well, to at be all. fair, she didn't really. In a lot of ways. Like, okay, so. Osana, I don't know, like... She seemed like she, a very hands-off parent. I don't... At least with I Mara. I do, and I don't at see l- it. At least with Mara, she did. I would say... Did. Yeah, I would say hands-on for Aldrin, hands-on yeah. for Mara. Because, like... And the, even then, Mara even says so much as to say, I don't want you as my mother, I want you my friend. Yeah, and right. that <laughs> kind of tallies into it a little bit. Well, okay, can I... And personal story note, I kind of have that relationship with my mother now. And I had that relationship with my mother when I was in high school as well. She was still my mother, and I still think she mothered me in many ways. But it was not, I don't know, Mara was also, what, 18 when Yang Liwei? I think so. She was around that that age. She was around that age. She was an older teenager at that time, at least. And so uh, as a young teenage woman, my, like, Back in the day, I can see that relationship being the way it is because I had that relationship with my mother at that point because I was also, I was the oldest. I was doing a lot of things and um, on my own and like moving forward, trying to do everything on my own and create my own personality, my own life essentially at that point without my mother. So it's kind of that breaking of way and coming of age thing. You're just kind of pushing yourself towards it. So I, I know you say she didn't really mother her, but in a lot of ways, she still kind of did because she 
she didn't put up with what Mara did a lot of the times with like she flat out flat out called her out on how she used Aldrin. Well, that's something that I know that uh, some family friends have said too for a while. Uh, there is a point as like a, a father or mother that you have to figure out that you're still the father and the or the mother. Mm-hmm. And then there you also have to figure out where you're the friend and where you can kind of allow for some of that to kind of go in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that there's a, a definite balance between as I'm kind of getting older and sort of feeling that. Granted, I think uh, Blue would be the, the best one to sort of lace in with that because I'm sure that there have been moments in his life dealing with the the little lights that he has where all of a sudden they do something and he has to stop himself from laughing because it's hilarious, but it's also really bad for them to, to end up doing or something right. similar. I have no um, idea what you're saying about what you're talking about. I would never, ever. I do that all the time. <laughs> I can't even I can't even get through that like I, I yeah I mean it's like one of the first things you have to pick up it's like especially when they're toddlers you have to be able to be like all right I'm gonna walk out of the room and as soon as you walk right. out of the room you you just break laughing but like yeah you, you have to be really you have to have a good poker face for the most part. Mm-hmm. I gotta say the amount of parents I know that kind of deal with that in general, and I can imagine that like Osana, especially over like a, a near like several millennia, basically of being alive with with Mara and seeing the <laughs> that Mara does on the on the constant, and like, of knows course she's, that gonna, she's doing it, and knows it, and still doesn't tell anybody, still allows it to go on. I'm just like Osana. There's got to be a point where you just go, you know what? I think my kid is just a a real jerk. Maybe I got to tell somebody. Uh, it just, I don't know, it flabbergasted me about like how far she lets that that go. Uh, but it should it should still showcase like the familial ties of uh, Ultra Nasana and Mara very well, I think, because regardless, like after. Oh, Osana, I, I think, is one of the few, I think Zura, uh, Zura would be another one, that could look they don't do that. And she would pretty well consider, I'm not going to do that, unless it really gets in the way of her plan. Uh, and for Mara's character as a whole, I think that says quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the character development for Osana, outside of her just being a semi-old cranky lady, it seems like, as she uh, as she goes along in the distributary, uh just seems to be built more from like, uh, or, or offers credence to like how Mara's character is built. Uh, definitely a very good supporting character, though, for many oh, rights. Yes. Oh, yes. You'd have to have an extraordinary woman, in my opinion, raise somebody like Aldrin and Mara. Because they're, yeah. they're odd. They're different. They're even odd before they t- like Right. They, they don't fit the typical bill of what you would consider a... Uh, a, a normal family, which granted, I'm starting to read a few extra things. That Orin book, man, that Orin book. <laughs> the the first page of that book makes me think so many things. And it's not even like the Yang Lai Wei is like the Titanic. That's not even it. Like, there's so much <laughs> that makes me think the Golden Age was a bunch of junk. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, anyway. Wait. You mean the golden days weren't golden? Yeah, yeah, I don't think we got golden girls going on here, guys. <laughs> now I have a song stuck in my head. Thank you, you two. Jerks. You're very welcome. You're my very goodness. welcome. That's what we're here for. Uh, well, let's, 
you want to wrap this up and talk about the geography of the reef real quick? As far as like, we can name off the locations and some well, of the and I guess I mean like them. we technically we did a already lot. did, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say I think I actually slapped the out of that. I know. As yeah, I'd say, beard beard got a little get a little carried away. I think the only one that you guys didn't really touch on um, was Cybel, sixty five Cybel. Uh, or Sabelle, yeah, and I think yeah. that the only the only big thing with Sabelle was the fact that this was the final battle of the Reforce, uh, yeah. because Variks <laughs> Variks basically got fed up with Scolas's brutality mm-hmm. and was like, no, this is not this is not okay, and he defected to the Awoken and basically like just completely blindsided the house of wolves um the only other one uh amethyst was a uh green i know we kind of were talking about that amethyst was a space station Mm -hmm. uh it was fully destroyed during the reforce and the only reason that i kind of i i also was i didn't i don't know if i got a chance to say it the other reason for amethyst not being an asteroid really was because if we remember uh the reef the reef born actually i think all the awoken are very very keen on the actual stone amethyst like that was actually a collectible item in d1 that you could use as a currency with the vestian outpost Mm -hmm. so and also mines largely too right that and uh varix was known to carve them which Mm. if you know anything about amethyst that's pretty impressive um yeah like that, I'm just like because I remember the he he uh, cuts himself with it, I think, or with one of them, with the um, knife or, or, or the knife. It. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He slips. He slips on the. But anyways, yeah. Cut. He yeah. carves. He he basically whittles amethyst, which is just to me is just that's crazy. Um, it's an extremely dense, like just an extremely dense uh, geological stone. Same. And then not diamond the, granite, but it does yeah, very well. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's it's up there. Um yeah. the uh only other one really that we didn't mention before was the Tangled Shore. Uh really the Tangled Shore is kind of the wasteland. Uh the way I look at it is if if you if you view the Vestian web as the kind of the heart of the reef civilizations, this is the lawless wilds. Uh, this is the this is the home of the scorn, the hive, the the crashed remnants of the Red Legion. Uh, this is where you see the spider. You know, we see the spider using the chaos of all the factions to kind of serve his own interest. You see this as also being the location of the gateway to the Dreaming City, though admittedly the Dreaming City is not really in the reef. Um, Green, did you have anything on that one? Uh, I just want to do one correction on amethyst. So on the hardness scale, uh, mm-hmm. diamond is a, like a perfect 10. Amethyst mm-hmm. is around a 7. So it's not like super, super hard, but it's past like that midway point. Yeah, well, that's I mean, I but I mean, like, like it's, it's, yeah. to whittle one, it's still right. like, I mean, it's not, it's it not like, be, it's not wood is what I'm thinking. But, right, but it would fracture. That's the thing that amethyst tends to do. Um, well, not necessarily. And- What's also being pointed out by by Hex and something I wanted to bring up, we're also comparing uh, where Amethyst would be born of uh, materials and processes here on Earth. It would be different in deep space. 
uh, you wouldn't have the same pressures. And so that amethyst can actually change in its overall uh, density. By all accounts, it could actually be much harder uh, than the stuff that we have here on Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, just because of a lot of those uh, those processes that can kind of be put into it, along with solar winds, a few other uh, regards besides. Yeah, and you'd also uh, yeah. probably see a lot larger uh, fractal displays too, because that's like if you right. watch if you watch plants grow in vacuum, they don't grow because there's no gravity, so they they grow circular. They don't grow like in a single direction. Which is really actually that's really cool. If you ever have a chance, you should go look up that. That's that's a really cool experiment that they've done. Mm -hmm. Um but that's really kind of all I had as far as like a really basic introduction to like the overall geography, political, social structure of the reef. Have anything else? The only thing I would kind of want to pick Beard's brain about and your beard brain about is the we have the four locations we've been to, Bestian Outpost, the Tangled Shore, the Dreaming City, and Prison of Elders, which technically is a, like a space station, essentially. <laughs> the, the distance between Tangled Shore and Dreaming City. We go through the tower to get to the Dreaming City. Where and how in the world do we manage that? And where in space do you feel that they lie? I know we don't have any solidified proof of it we know where kind of the tangled shore is but we have no idea where the dreaming city is in relation to it yeah uh and i still don't necessarily know where to even begin with that um the 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 tangled shore itself seems inevitably linked with the dreaming city in some way shape or form um that's at least fairly obvious to me with just like being able to see the watchtower from on the uh, on the one starting area, and I forget exactly where it is now, off the top of my head, in Tangled, uh, but off to the the up the up the lift. Uh, that being said, like where exactly it would be in accordance with the reef, uh, it seems like it's actually somewhat close, just because of like the rings and everything. Mm -hmm. I've always taken those rings at least to be the reef itself, uh, which I don't know if we necessarily get full confirmation of that, but it just makes sense. Uh, the reef is said to be like a lashing of ships and a bunch of uh, like constructs and whatnot that are put together from there. Uh, so for me, it just kind of like makes sense in that regard. Uh, the thing that really drives me absolutely nutty uh, about the Dreaming City and consequently the Tangled Shore as well, if they happen to be linked up in some way, mm -hmm. uh, would also be Spatial Drift. Uh, you have to account for the fact that this thing is moving through space. And if it's not, then that would also mean that it is a an outlier within our system as being a very stationary force. The question would effectively be how they would accomplish that. Uh, the real short answer is it can't happen. Uh, we're effectively moving through... Uh, our, uh, our, our planets are, of course, uh, spinning in an orbital, uh, an elliptical around our sun. Uh, our solar system is also moving within our galaxy. Uh, our galaxy is also moving throughout the uh, overall vastness of what we consider the universe. And quite possibly those universes are also swimming in a whole bunch of balls that we might consider the cosmos. Uh, everything is in constant motion within the universe. And to effectively think that the uh, the 
the Dreaming City would be in one place would mm-hmm. contradict that entire notion, like fully and 100%. Uh, that's actually why uh, things like uh, Einstein Rosenbridges or Wormholes, mm-hmm. uh, is there more so uh, kind of linked to, uh, are are so impossible in a lot of rights to find one that like links you uh directly from one path to the next uh almost perfectly because in a lot of rights that space changes in the next moment uh so that's i know i'm kind of like again going on on a bunch of tangents here but no you're okay just to stress that like whole idea that everything has to be in constant motion which in within our uh, within our system, within our star cluster, within any, uh, and that's where I kind of I I lose myself in terms of like where it could specifically. Uh, the only thing I can realistically say is like I think somewhere close to the reef, and again, that's just theorem. There's, there's nothing right. that puts it. The th- only thing that my brain, and this is pure headcanon, mm-hmm. thinks every time I see those stupid rings is Stargate. Oh, mm. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> or like Halo, even no, anybody. Yeah. It's Stargate. It's Stargate. Uh, it's really more Stargate. Stargate. They right. refer to them as Stargates. Right. Yeah. So you have like the Stargate concept where you essentially wormhole your way from one location to another. So if if perchance the Dreaming City was within eyeshot of the Tangled Shore but somehow cloaked, which theoretically could be possible for the Awoken people, it just, it would be quite a a very, I don't know, it seemed like such a feat to go through to make that work. But I don't know. My mind thinks there's like a Stargate that they go through, and that's the reason why you have to go through the tower, and you can't just, hey, it's just right over there. Let's hop in our ship. No, you have to go through this tower first to be able to do it. That's well, just my perspective. And and I think that you're that you're definitely onto something in that regard to an effect. Uh I'm sure there's there's something out there with like the, the many patrols that you can do in Dreaming City, uh that kind of constitutes some piece to say like here's um here's an explanation for like why uh the 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 Dreaming City doesn't move or why it exists in the place that it is. Uh it 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 would it, it my contention is more so does it exist in uh, our space, in our universe, quote unquote, mm. or does it exist in an alter? Because is it another pocket like, distributary type thing? Right. Like all of a sudden they have some means that they can sort of control it. If not, then at that point they've found a way to lash that uh, system Mm-hmm. Uh, and effectively make sure that they can go in and out of that spot as they uh, without having to uh, worry about like interaction from us or otherwise. Uh, so that's where I kind of even even the general vicinity or or idea of what the thing is, what the rings are, what anything is mm-hmm. matters nothing to the general existence of where this place is. Uh, because at that point, then anything that I could say is completely thrown out the door, like right. entirely 100%, right. uh, which again, kind of comes back to something else, which is, uh, as more of an aside kind of linked up with the, with the Awoken, uh, with the nine, because we know that they, uh, possibly use a black hole or a, uh, a wormhole, whatever Bungie really wants to utilize for, uh, 
for, for traversal in some rights. And we pop out into unknown space. Uh, and as we now know with the Drifter as well, we also pop out into unknown space thanks to the ice rock that he's hauling and going through again a freaking Stargate. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of these things are, are, are this collective idea of are we going to different places within uh, within our universe, within our solar system, etc. Uh, or are we, or not solar system, but even galaxy, uh, galaxy as well, uh, are we... Are we starting to get to like different uh, points where we're going into like multiverse? Theme? Uh, are we starting to play with just a bunch of um, a bunch of different portal dimensions like we had with the distributary? Right. That's where this this whole this whole thing is driving me up an absolute brick wall because no matter uh, I'm I'm presented with like the uh, our space is what we had it in Destiny One. Uh, it is basically meaningless to the spaces that we now see with things like Ascendant Planes, Unknown Space, the Distributary, uh, and any pocket dimensions that could exist past that. Uh, all these these different concepts with like uh, with with relative uh, relativistic physics, <laughs> multiverse theory, and so on. Uh, I, I think it even comes back to the. Uh, to the next thing with uh with with the vex and whatnot too like time as soon as you introduce anything with time you're also introducing elements with space mm -hmm. because the two are perpetually linked together uh and in that respect the 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 force that could be screwing all of this up is the vex still for all we know uh and that's just kind of like where i i think i'll kind of leave it before i kind of keep going on this this lecture but the the general idea is like are they inside of our our realm our our universe our dimension whatever uh or are they outside and i think that's the the major piece that would kind of uh play into and again i will stress the two words that matter here science fantasy mm -hmm. they base a lot of things off of current ideas and theories in science uh and they are making that into their general uh their general space of lore and story writing as a whole and they have to kind of run with that the entire time uh i i made the theory that uh Dreisten core of the lost fleet of saturn uh, mm -hmm. was actually one of the first sets of humanity that had actually come across uh, Oryx back in the day, because back uh, it, back around the time that uh, the the guys for Destiny were possibly writing a piece of this, Saturn was theorized to have a black hole around it, a micro one, but it was theorized to have one. Mm -hmm. So if there is something that caused that, and they're using black holes, as we've seen with Savathun and a couple others, be these bridges to go from point one to point two within the universe then all of a sudden you've got dreisen core popping up uh in a another vicinity seeing uh oryx and that's why he gets converted down to chitin and is a weapon you know that that's why within science fantasy they have to play with this idea a little bit more and they're pretty well derived to have to stick to it as well that's that's one of the problems with science fantasy in in some regards because even Star Trek and and Star Wars have had this means with science fiction 
to uh, work themselves a little differently or change and etc uh for instance we'll see like the the way that star trek uh took like the automatic doors and automatic elevators uh they 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 felt they needed to have their hand on something in the original uh series for star trek and then in next generation oh we just have to talk to the voice and it takes us where we want uh and it, it changes and our and our views have changed on it as well and now science fiction has turned into stuff like cell phones or computers or the microphone I'm talking into right now, uh, where science fantasy is the stuff of myth, a lot of a lot of rights, which is why I think it's so important to always kind of caveat back to the idea that we that we still run with like Greek or uh, Norse myth or anything like that, etc. That's why I really, I really do appreciate what Bungie still puts together, uh, and and having the conviction that they understand that oh, we ran with this theory, it's no longer right. Now I need to go ahead and like uh, still run with this the entire time, but make the caveat of well, who could have guessed that was going to happen? Right. Uh, anyway, yeah. But before I keep going, difference in science fantasy and uh, science fiction could just be like. Long story short, something else that we could talk about is all. Blue, do you have anything else you want to talk about with the Reef and the Awoken that we've chatted about? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Are you content? I am happy. <sighs> well, that's that's a rare station. I know. You. I know. Shh. Yeah. Just, let's just enjoy it. Are we going okay. to put on any of the new books onto the poll? Please say yes. They are already all on the poll. Yes! With the exception of the ones that I was told are not complete. Right, because of the time gate aspect Correct. of them. Yeah, I believe the only one really is the wizard. Or not the wizard, God, the warlock. Our, uh, a yeah. Warlock, yeah, our, our, right. on our, yeah. Our, the Banff, mm-hmm. as I remember. And then also to still truth to power. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For the next six months. I mean we're 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 gonna talk we're, we'll talk about truth to power when Destiny three comes out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Beard has much the same reaction I did when I found out about that. I was like, yeah, I, "Wait, it's still not okay." All right, I still, I still don't agree with that decision to spread it out that far. I think that's a little. The problem uh, I'm it's... having, as far as like that goes, is I've kind of, sort of lost interest in that story because that's, of how spread that's out ultimately. It is. I'm, I'm yep. right there with you, Green. I, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I I am right there with you. And I I think that it I I, I feel like that law, it lost its impact that it 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 had a really like I've already I've full disclosure, I've already read it. Um, But it has. Yeah, I was about to say, I (laughs) I am not. I don't. Yeah, I was about to say. I don't know if Green has, but I think Beard, you and I have. Um, It has a really cool story, but you know, given given the actual time gating of it, I I think that it's lost its impact because the events that are being discussed are now kind of they've been put on the back burner as far as most people's attention. So uh, you know, it's just it's you know whatever. And and in addition, content creators feel uh, like like Bife was also kind of feeling like we don't want to cover it because one, uh, I would rather not necessarily be on Bungie Rider's bad side, but two, I also want to respect their work. And in the same time, I really would love to talk about this because it's like great writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that overall it makes you think in terms of like oh, the twists and turns. Definitely. Yeah. Like it's fantastic. The choose your own adventure? Like that. 
Oh, God, yeah, the fact that those are out <laughs> right now. Uh, green, I will tell you now, uh, for, for like, your, your, your own interest for weeks coming up. Mm-hmm. This week coming up is very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I I've tell you that now. I'm not going to say anything. I've but it's made very a interesting point of trying to a avoid spoilers as much as possible, but trying to digest the stories as they're coming, right? And as they're made available. So things like okay, so the book about with the Thorn Quest and everything that's coming up, mm-hmm. that is already available to read. I already yep. read it. But yep. things like Truth to Power and the Aura book, because the writer specifically said not to, I am very much so trying to digest it in the manner in which they're intending. And so I get an authentic experience as the way they're in trying to uh, intend it. That's the only reason as far as like why I'm avoiding it. Yeah. And, and Dino does make a good point. Uh, stolen Intelligence does bring Truth to Power back into somewhat of the focus. Hmm. A little bit, well, like, but you have to read Stolen Intelligence, and you have to understand. It, and to be fair, you have, you have to, to understand. You have to understand what Stolen Intelligence is talking about because Stolen Intelligence also has its own code going on yeah. within it too. So, but I mean, yeah, it, it's just yeah. So short Which of those, short of nightmare. Oh God, I know. I have <laughs> I have like three pages of notes deciphering some stuff, but um. Short of Truth to Power and the Warlock, I keep wanting to calling it Anor, but basically the Banff, um, yeah. those are the only two books I don't think I have on the poll. Everything else is currently on the poll. So cool. yeah, if you guys want, you know, definitely give us a heads up on ones. But other than that, you want to do shout outs real quick? Yes. So uh, green. I'll go out. first. Um, my shout out actually goes to um, a trio of ladies who I've actually become pretty close to recently they are having a major um housing crisis that's happening they have black mold in their apartment that was spread from the air ducts of some of their neighbors into their own and so i retweeted a gofundme link on my twitter uh this would be on march 9th and i re i retweeted it i believe yesterday which would have been march 8th do me a huge huge favor and you follow me on twitter at least retweet it and show your friends and stuff like that you don't i'm not asking you to necessarily donate if you can that's amazing but if you cannot i get it just help me spread the word because they are in a bad situation because they're their um, landlord is being a complete and utter jerk about it and not going to take care of them and make sure that they are living in the situation that they're paying for, which is a they're supposed to be living in a better situation. So please do me a huge solid by retweeting that out, getting that out there so they can at least have something to be able to get rid of this black mold, which is not a fun thing to do. But that is my shout out. Beard, what about you? Uh, I'm going to actually do a small self plug, but it's still for this show. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm also gonna, gonna say, I'm just glad I didn't talk all your ears off for another four hours, but it's okay. I would have split hear, that one in two, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then you would have like talked to me in private and say, can you stop this please? <laughs> for the love of God. I hate I con- editing. I all connected. This. I connected. <laughs> I connected him with the tape deck. Please flip to yeah. side B. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a chance to kind of listen to that. You guys, 
you guys will actually find out why I haven't had a lot of time, uh, possibly tomorrow, Ooh. dependent on if uh, Planet Destiny decides to put my first video up that I'm coming back with. Yay! Uh, but I have been hard at work on something else on the side, aside from feeling like I had a cold for like a day and a half, which wasn't fun. Uh, but otherwise, if you guys have not had a chance to uh, to listen to the near uh, lore lore packet uh, cassettes, <laughs> whatever we want to call it uh, here, it was four hours of my life that I will never get back. Uh, it was also a week and a half's worth of research that I will never get back uh, that I gladly put out there for all of you to kind of listen. Uh, but if you guys get a chance to kind of listen to another story that's convoluted and a total mess, uh, then there you go. When I start talking science fantasy, that's a, another very big one because we literally deal with aliens again on planet Earth. Anyway, the... The biggest shout out though that I have is uh is really that for this week. Uh if you guys don't mind kind of giving it a listen, I I definitely uh, otherwise the the biggest thing that uh crap, I kinda lost my train of thought here. Uh the biggest thing that otherwise uh I've been kind of seeing around the community has just been uh generally uh good takes on uh Season of the Drifter so far. Uh, I've, I've, of course, still seen some of the salt. It's been uh, absolutely muted as soon as I see it, uh, because that's my mindset right now. But the biggest thing that I will say is that I think I've seen more constructive uh, conversations that have happened for the most part, uh, which is great. And I'm I'm absolutely thrilled to see a lot of that going on. Uh, so if you have anything constructive to tell Bungie, then feel free. If you just want to say, I don't like it, uh, and you're not blue because I understand his <laughs> reasons for not liking it. Uh, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here. I'm like, jeez, I need to stop saying stuff. <laughs> no, you're fine. No, no, funny. Blue, blue's case of I don't like it. If you just straight don't like something, fine. But don't bring anybody else's party down for the love of God. Because Blue oh, yeah, this no. very fine line where he's like, <laughs> I don't like it. I hope you guys are liking it, though. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely... Like, that's I, it. I love the fact that people love it. I don't. Yeah. But, you yeah. know... <laughs> yeah. What were yeah. we talking about in uh, top three? About Empathy. It's yeah. okay to disagree and yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No. And still, yeah. Well, and the, and you know, just to kind of explain that a little bit more, it's like I I've also kind of feel like I have justified like to myself pretty well why I'm not a fan of it, and I'm just like I'm not gonna sit there and complain about it. I'm just gonna go do other things. That yeah. I do like. And you've never liked Gambit. You didn't like original <laughs> that's also, Gambit. That's also very. I don't like Warzone. For, so, you know, it's like. Ah, it's just that that particular game style is just not. I don't. I'm, yeah. But, I mean, I understand. I under, I do see where people who have been wanting. Who are either PvP or PvE that are wanting to kind of transcend into the other realm but don't feel comfortable. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I remember when the Horde mode for Halo 3 came out, and, or uh, ODST came out, and mm-hmm. I, again, I, I was not a fan of it, but I completely see where it was, you know, 
where it fit, and it did fit very well for a large percentage of the population that was playing that game. Um, yep. Same with Gambit. I mean, it's and and obviously, you know, the other thing is is uh, if you guys, I, I think I mentioned this before we started recording, but if you guys haven't listened to the Fire Team chat episode with uh, Bungie, go give it a listen. They do a they have a really really candid conversation with Deej, Lars, and Lisa from the Bungie team. And I mean, Deej Deej does kind of make a comment about you know they have all this data. And the thing is, is at the end of the day, Bungie Bungie is a business. They're gonna go where the money is. They're gonna go where the interest of the majority is. So that tells me that Gambit probably is probably pretty popular. I mean, and they have the data to analyze for that stuff. So I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I completely am okay with being an outlier on that front. As long as they keep giving me strikes, I, mean, I don't, I mean, I don't care. I have my dredgen pin. I like it. <laughs> Chat, way to friend zone Gambit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, sorry, beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was done anyway. So okay. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I know I know it's your pet peeve for someone to talk over you. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, I have thanks a lot. <laughs> I do have a I'm spoiler kidding. for something coming up that I'm working on since Beard oh, yeah? was chat, oh, chat, oh. chatting about. Yeah, I showed you guys. At least yeah. I showed you guys the lyrics. So I am working on another song for. It's kind of a parody. It is. It's totally a parody song. It's themed after this current season so keep your eyes and ears out for that i'm actually i'm i have the song finished recording i need to go back and edit as far as, far as like voice levels and stuff like that and just clean it up but i'm looking for i'm having my clan on playstation send me a bunch of gambit clips so i'm hopefully going to do a video oh, to nice. go with it to be kind of like log and how he does his mm-hmm mm-hmm but that is that'd be, the that'd current... be really cool. Yeah. Welcome anyway. to why my throat hurts too. Yeah, I'm gonna say I, I feel like between me dealing and with And on that sci- note, uh, we'll end we'll end yeah. with we'll end with context. It's important. Hey, 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 hey. hey. It's important. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.